Hello and welcome to the best is net to come. My name is Josh and I am joined by Michael Rubenstein and Richard Chuba. The net season is over. So this will be the last pod of the season for us. And uh, I thought we'd just do our final thoughts, recap the things that you know we experienced this season. And it's been a roller coaster. There's been some highs, many more lows. And I thought rather than focus on the lows at first, we're going to try to talk a little bit positively in the first beginning opening segment here and if you listen to this podcast you probably know us and know how upset we are with how the season ended and you know this was not yeah it was definitely more of a negative than a positive overall but we're going to focus on the tiny positives uh just you know off the top here and um then we'll probably divulge into our inner madness so mike rick Thank you guys, first of all, for joining me today, and thank you everyone who listens to this podcast. Um, despite whether the Nets win or lose games, it's always fun to come on here and talk with my good friends about this team and and uh, and all that. So let's start with this, Mike. What was your favorite moment of the season? And you're not allowed to say when it ended. <laughs> um, uh, damn. Uh. <laughs> No, my favorite moment, I think, has been the uh, resurgence of Bruce Brown post uh, James Harden trade, because before that, like he really seemed like a shell of himself. He was lost. He wasn't getting minutes. And I was just like, what the heck? Like he was so great for as like his role for the energy guy, the the floaters and all that. He was so much fun to root for. And the first half of the season, that was just gone. And there was no explanation why with all the Harden rumors going on. No one was saying that Harden was affecting Bruce Brown this way. And then as soon as he leaves, Bruce Brown was like, yeah, everyone in our locker room likes each other now. <laughs> and then he just like went off. So whether or not he stays with the Nets next year, because I know he's a free agent again. Uh, I just enjoyed having that old feeling of every time he did something, being like, I love Bruce Brown. So that was probably my favorite part was just watching him go back to how yeah. he was. I think we're, we're, we're going to talk about the free agents in a moment, and definitely Bruce is at the top of my list. But I'll, we'll, we'll talk about like which free agents we hope return, or which ones you know we're, we want to kick to the curb and everything. But Rick, uh, what was your favorite moment of the season? Again, well, you're not I allowed to say the end. Definitely pick the easiest, the far and away the the most positive thing. That was like exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. It's. Um, I think anything after Bruce Brown is like you're really kind of just trying to twist it to be a positive thing. <laughs> so I guess uh, I got two things that I think are, are positive, I guess, if you, <laughs> you really want to look at it that way. So one of them is the resolution of the vaccine mandate. It's something that you know, was extremely stressful for that first half of the year. We would talk every recording like, when's he going to come back? Is this thing ever going to get lifted? Could they win a series with him part time? Things like that. Now it's it, it's behind us. So in with a team that has been nothing but just drama. Every turn, it's nice for something that was really a, a, a big problem to be behind us. And I guess another thing, if you if we want to talk about it later, a positive and I know it didn't turn out well this year for the Nets, but I think for next year and going forward, I do think the James Harden trade was a positive. Uh, I just think just for the just the contract situation for Ben Simmons, 
is there's just value in that. He, like he hasn't even played, and that's extremely disappointing. And I'm sure we'll talk about that too. But just Rick, having, keep it keep it positive, man. Come on, it's ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, but I'm saying minutes. like you have, you have he's an asset that I do think has some level of value that the Nets could either work with to keep or flip into something. Because you said we're going to talk about free agents, we're going to talk about probably trade targets. So I think more flexibility going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think <laughs> my favorite thing of the season happened before the season even started. It actually happened, I think, in August or September, and it was when KD signed his extension. And to me, still, like, the whole year, every nightmare that, like, happened was kind of uh, not as bad. It was lessened by the memory of the fact that KD has been signed on for the next few years. And and we're going to talk about KD and, and you know in his you know what his next few years will look like, and um, you know maybe he's on a decline, maybe he's going to be starting to show his age. Seem like he might have a little bit in that season, uh, that series against the Celtics. But overall, he's still one of the best players in the league, an extreme asset for the team, and you know a great magnet for other great players who would want to succeed in this league and uh, need to leave their teams. So. Um, let's just go into it. Free agents. We have a lot of Nets who may not be on the team next year, but at the top of all three of our lists, I would say it's probably Bruce Brown has to be re-signed. Mike, what do you think is the reasonable amount of money that the Nets should pay for him? Now, I know they have his bird rights, right? Is that is that how this works? Yeah. Right. So, Mike, what would you say is like a reasonable number for him to sign for after he's proven on a national stage now that he can bring significant value to all 30 teams in the league. Yeah. I don't know the Nets exact financial situation with what they can afford. Cause you've got Joe Harris with a big contract. Ben Simmons, I'm assuming has a big contract. Uh, Kyrie's in that like awkward. Is he going to opt out to get maxed out stage? So I don't even know how much they have to spend, but I'd say if they could get him for like, and to 14 mil a year. That would be reasonable. I hope they sign him if they do sign him for multiple years. I hope he doesn't come back for like this one more year thing again. Because I feel like he did it to prove that he's worth more money. And I think he's achieved that based on his playoff play. So I think anywhere in the 10 to 14 range for multiple years would be cool. I just don't know if the Nets can afford that. And honestly, if he doesn't re-sign with the Nets, I'm afraid he might get exposed on another team for really like not being as good as he thinks he is or that we think he is because maybe he really just fit in with Durant, uh, you know, and when Kyrie played uh, because he was able to play off ball and cut and do all that stuff. So I hope for his sake he takes a good deal, doesn't risk it and, like, blow it. (laughs) But that's what I would hope. He was kind of playing point guard at some points towards the end of the Mm -hmm. season, if you saw, like, because Kyrie isn't really a traditional point guard anymore and – because KD, obviously, like, when he's playing iso ball, it's just too much focus on him, and everyone else is, like, irrelevant. Uh, when Bruce was running the ball up the court, and it wasn't Dragic either, it felt the most like a normal basketball team. Like, this team was not normal in any way. They were too iso. But the closest they were to not being iso was when Bruce was playing the point for some reason. So, Rick, do you see his just, like, Swiss Army knife – like can do a little bit of everything kind of quality 
adding to his value for another team? Or like Mike said, do you think that he just has this unique situation here in Brooklyn and it's probably best for him to stay in Brooklyn for that reason? I think Mike hit the nail on the head with everything he said. I think he's probably for his contract, probably between like 12 to 14 million a year. I think that's fair. And I think it'd be a good deal for both him and the Nets. And I do think he's more valuable to the Nets than any other franchise. I think he's a great player. We all love him. I just don't see him making that type of impact with another team. Like the situation's really unique. He's extremely unique just as a player. Like he's played center at like six, four for the Nets too. And like you said, in the playoffs, he's playing a little bit of point guard too. So um, I, I just, I think the Nets are in a really good position um he's already said he wants to be back i think the nets want him back um i don't i I could be totally wrong i don't think he's gonna be like a guy who's gonna try and squeeze every last dime out of like the nets i just don't think he's that type of person and really just not that caliber player right now so um I, i think the nets i don't know if they're gonna have a lot of competition for him and that's that's really good that's a positive we can add to the list Bruce Brown. You don't, you don't think other teams want a player like Brown? They do. I do think they do, but I just, I just don't think that they would feel he'll be as valuable to their franchise as he would on the Nets. Like, like Mike said, like he might go to like another team, and I don't, I don't want to say get exposed as not being a good player. I, he's a good player, but just not being, I guess, special as without. Knowing another way to put it, like he he's good. I just think that like the Bruce, the Nets version of Bruce Brown, I think that we've seen is the best version of Bruce Brown. Mm-hmm. Well, as far as we know, yes. Hopefully he stays, so we don't have to figure out whether he would be good on another team. Right? A lot of players who make really strong moves in one or two seasons with a team will then get a bag, and and then it really becomes: Do you want a bag, or do you want to play on a team? As a contender, like, look what happened to Jeremy Grant, right? Jeremy Grant was playing on a great team that was going to be a contender for the next few years, is still technically a contender, the Denver Nuggets. Um, But then he got a bag in Detroit, and Detroit's a rebuilding team. They're not going to be good for years. Like, probably not next year, maybe not even the year after that. So, I don't know. Some people have different priorities. Hopefully, Browns are not in that range, but he's not really a true scorer like, like Grant is. So I don't think he's going to get that kind of bag anyway. All right. Now this is, we're moving away from the positives already to just the what ifs. <laughs> These uh, are the what I ifs. See, I thought you last longer. You were, well, you were so uh, well, concerned with the positives. I thought we'd be talking about it a couple minutes more. <laughs> so this one, this one is a positive because it's kind of like denial of the truth in a way. Right. Like uh, here we're going to be, I'm going to throw out three, what ifs of the season, the three biggest what ifs of the season. And we're going to sort of rank them. Each of you guys is going to give me your ranking in terms of like which one you think was the biggest what if, like the one that could have significantly changed the season to the one that you think doesn't really, it doesn't really affect the trajectory the season ended up taking. So here are the three. KD, I mean, Kyrie playing every game this season, like he got, he got the vaccine or whatever. No drama about that. He gets to play every game. KD never gets injured in January. James Harden doesn't have to play by himself. 
they still are at least a top four seed going into the playoffs. Or Ben Simmons actually plays for the Nets. He's not injured. He's ready to go. He's been practicing. He's been training the whole time he was not playing with the Sixers. And he plays for the Nets starting in like late February, early March, up until the playoffs. Even after everything that happened with Harden, with Kyrie, Ben Simmons actually plays. So of those three what-ifs, rank them in terms of the one that you think is the most pivotal and the one that was maybe the least pivotal in how the season played out. What do you want to go first? I'll, uh, I'll, you know, whoever's whoever's ready to go can go because I know it might take some time to think about. Yeah, I'll go first. I, I think for me, it's pretty easily the rankings. I think number one is is Ben Simmons. I think if Ben Simmons, even if he just came in like I'm telling you, down 3-0, I think if he came back in the fourth game, I don't think they really would have won. But I think that's the most likely thing that could have changed the trajectory of the season. Um, Kyrie. And his situation, I think, would be number two, just because, like, he himself kind of blamed, like, his lack of playing time early on in the year as, like, a reason for them not having, like, the chemistry and, like, being on par with the Celtics. Um, he's shown, though, that, like, he's he probably could, like, not play for five years and then, like, come out of retirement, shoot 50, 40, 90, put up the same numbers. So I don't really know if that had much of an impact i honestly ramadan and his is eating probably had more of an impact than uh his lack of play so um and which is worrisome going forward because ramadan's the same time every year so that's bothersome but um so i'd say ben simmons number one uh kyrie number two and uh number three would be kevin durant i know he missed quite a bit of time but um I, i i'm not sure how different the seating really would have been because I think he was injured part of the time where Kyrie was still part-time player um and I, I, that that's what I think had the least amount of impact Mike might feel differently but I don't know if any of these really would have changed the season that much if we want to get further into that too that's a kind of a hot take for it Rick I think that to me each of them kind of collectively do, do you want to this season? Do you want a hot take too? I don't know if there's a team in the East right now that they would have beaten in the first round. I don't know. I like the Bulls got lost like four one, but the Nets are a team that played like consistently down to the level of even like inferior opponents. So even the like, like if they played the Hawks, would, would you be confident of them beating the Hawks in the first round? The same team that just played the Celtics or a healthier team? The same team. No. And like, so let's say even, let's say they had Ben Simmons. And he's like healthy. And would, he, would they beat the Hawks if they had Ben Simmons? I, I, I mean, mean if, if he's playing significant defense on Trey Young and like limiting Trey Young's ability to score, then possibly. Mike, yeah, what do you think about like, that? It's like, maybe. <laughs> like, uh, so I'll get to my list in a minute, but to, just re- to respond to what Rick just brought up. Getting swept sucks and it's embarrassing, but like they were in every game. Like they lost at the buzzer game one. They blew a 17 point lead in game two. Game three, it was close the whole game and then they kind of fell apart the last couple of minutes. And this last game, they got it within one. And a lot of people are saying that this Celtics team is now like a title favorite. Great defensive team, budding superstar in Tatum. Jalen Brown's a great player. They, 
continuity, all this stuff. And the Nets, yeah, getting swept sucks, but they lost like the combined four games by like 18 points or something like that. So it's not like they were losing by 30 each game. So it's it's disappointing for us, and we expected more. But I don't think they're as bad as like it feels by getting swept, just because like they played a really good Boston team, and they almost won every game. They just didn't, so they, it feels worse. Um, it never, but when you watch those games, though, it never did feel like the Nets were going to win the game. Even when even in game one, when they had a three point lead with 45 seconds left. It was a very classic Nets loss, the way that they gave up two very easy layups within yeah. a matter of 45 seconds. So all all of the games, though, even though it didn't feel like they were going to win, it also felt like it was up in the air. It felt like it could go either way. For me, at least, I was like, just just hit a couple shots. And Kevin Durant just missed so many jump shots that he doesn't normally miss. So to bring that to my list, I'm going to say Kyrie his vaccine mandate situation was probably number one because I think that was the snowball effect that just like made everything feel out of place. And, you know, you never felt confident that they'd, that they'd get it together because of that. So I think if Kyrie plays the whole season, Rick brought up a great point with Ramadan though. He didn't seem like himself, even going into that game four, he wasn't aggressive. Like he kind of, he ended up with like 18 or 20 points, but they all were like in the fast break situation where he just got the ball and, had a lane to the hoop. It didn't feel like Kyrie was that 60-point against the Magic Kyrie. And I think that has to do with fasting. Because like at some point, it's just physical. Like You can't have the same amount of energy that you need if you're not eating. How so, much do you think, Mike, how much do you think of uh, the fact that he played really well in Game 1 and then they ended up losing and all of the, the shit with the fans and them cursing mm-hmm. him out and stuff? How, how much do you think that at, like affected his... Um, sort of behavior and, and mentality yeah. going into games two through four. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And game one, I think, was in the afternoon. Yep. If I remember correctly. So even though he's fasting, he, he's not maybe as malnourished as playing at 7.30 at night. Uh, but it has to be emotionally draining. The whole season for him had to be emotionally and physically and for him spiritually draining. Like, that's he went through a lot. So I think if the mandate didn't start out the season I think that would have played out very differently Harden probably wouldn't have left they might have gotten along and been okay so that's number one for me number two I do think is the Durant injury because we were the one seed when he got hurt and then we lost like 13 in a row or something crazy like that so maybe if they say in the 11 maybe if they say in the top four in the conference and they draw this Toronto team or the Hawks or Cleveland, whoever would have ended up taking the Nets place at seven, you know, maybe they have a chance. And then I'd put Ben Simmons at three, just cause like we didn't get to see it. Ben Simmons hasn't played in so long that who knows if it even would have worked in the first place. We all were just hoping for something to happen to change our fortune, but that's the one I think we just know the least about. So that's my number three. And I'll add in an honorable mention, Joe Harris's injury, I think, had so much more of an impact than we could have thought because we were all so mad at him for last year's playoffs that we were like, fuck Joe Harris anyway. Like, <laughs> we don't need him. Trade him. But, like, he definitely would have helped <laughs> this yeah. season. So that's my honorable mention for number four. Yeah, and, like, you know, the Nets had a little bit of a taste of, like, a mini Joe Harris with Seth Curry at the end of the season. Like, his shot 
uh, ability was was sort of on par with Harris, and similarly played pretty terrible defense, just like Joe Harris plays not great defense. So if they're going to get him back and they already have him on contract, then it's looking slim. I, I don't really know if the Nets are bringing back a guy like Curry or not. I mean, I don't I don't think he's on contract. So anyway, Mike, you would say something. Yeah, I think you just described Curry perfectly as like a mini Joe Harris. And that, yeah. that was a problem because he couldn't rebound and he couldn't defend anybody. And yeah. we've talked about Harris's defense before. It's not great, but he tries <laughs> and he's 6'6". So at yeah. least he can like make a little bit more of an impact. Seth Curry, as far as I could tell, him and Patty Mills were almost unplayable in stretches during that series because they were too small. They couldn't yeah. guard anybody. They were, they were just getting taken advantage of, no rebounding. So I think Joe Harris in that sense would have helped a lot. So um, if you have to describe this whole entire season in one word, how do you describe this season? Oh, I'll go first. Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> this it really is. It's just been a nightmare. It's been a nightmare because like we really like started off this podcast like trying hard to find positives mm-hmm. and even the positives were just like eh, that's kind of good but no it's really it's been constant it's Kyrie drama James Harden drama Ben Simmons drama injuries vaccines like is the whole the whole season was just a nightmare yeah Mike what's your word waste like we just wasted Jeez. a we just wasted a year That's of, a good of of Durant and Kyrie in their prime because okay. I I'd say they're both in their prime right now. Um, even though Durant came off of the Achilles and he's older, like before his injury with the the knee injury and even after, like he was playing as well as we could have possibly hoped. So it just feels like we wasted a year of two, you know, sensational players at the peak of their career, and you can't assume that they're going to come back full strength and as, as fast and as strong. I'd hope so, but we have a window and our window I think is a little longer because of Ben Simmons. Now, if he stays, if they don't get rid of him, uh, and if they extend Kyrie. So it's not like all hope is lost, but it just kind of feels like this whole year was just a waste. My word. I mean, you're, you guys both hit the nail on the head with yours. Like those are great words for the season. I definitely felt like this season was a nightmare and a waste many times. The word I had in my head was unenjoyable, if that's even a word. I don't know. Is unenjoyable a word? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. yeah. It was very – it was like I was trying to think like how many times did I enjoy this season. It was very low. Like I, there was so many, so many more frustratingly sad moments this season than there were happy, enjoyable moments. I'm trying to think like in like if I can remember the specific times of the season where I was happy about the Nets, that's bad because that means that that didn't happen a lot. Like – the time that like Cam Thomas went off against the Knicks, basically every time the Nets beat the Knicks this season was like one of, like a few highlights for me. I, I almost said that them. earlier, by the way, when you asked yeah. me what my favorite, I almost said that. That's an honorable mention for sure. Like <laughs> yeah. the Nets went, the Nets did have a terrible season, but they did not lose to the Knicks once, so that was cool. <laughs> Other than that, though, I mean, like that one game they beat Toronto, and it was like KD and like four rookies in the starting lineup, and they still beat Toronto. That was fucking cool. Um, I mean, yeah, th- there was just so few that like, I'm just, yeah, unenjoyable. I just did not enjoy this season at all. Rick, you, you want to say something? 
Well, I was, I was, you, you already went into it, like, as I, as I was waiting for you, but I was going to ask you what your favorite, like, moment or game of the season was, and I'm just, like, I'm sitting here while you're talking, trying to think, I'm like, man, what was, like, my highlight of the year, and I think yeah. it's probably, like, the Cam Thomas game against the Knicks, which, how pathetic is that? It's like, I was um, at that. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, you were there. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Remember that? We were, we were like laughing about how Mike's such a mush that like, <laughs> yeah. oh, he, like they were getting wrecked in the first half. Like, oh, God, because Mike's there. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then and then all of a sudden it turns around. What a great game to be at. Yeah. Other than that. Unenjoyable. I think that was like the enjoyable game. <laughs> there oh, should not be. There should not be. Like less than the fingers I have in my one hand, amount of enjoyable games in an entire net season. But that's how it truly felt this year. I think that there was that one game also, right before KD got hurt in January, where they played the Bulls. And the Bulls were like red hot. Everyone was like, oh, the Bulls, here come the Bulls. They're going to be so good this year. DeMar DeRozan, MVP candidate, blah, blah, blah. They're deep, they're great. And then the Nets came to town. And they wrecked them. I think they beat them by like 30. And it was KD, Kyrie, and James Harden. And it was like, this is the best it gets as a Nets team. They're beating a team that is favored. I think at the time, the Bulls were like the two seed. A week later, KD got hurt. Damn. And that's where we are. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So. We've already gone over a bunch of doom and gloom topics, but the next couple of topics I have here are literally listed as doom and gloom in my notes. So <laughs> for those of you guys listening, um, if you need to take breaks in between to like enjoy life, maybe like drink a shot of something or like, I don't know, like look at pictures of your grandparents, do something that makes you happy because like this is going to be pretty rough. Um, I'm going to start with Steve Nash. Tons of criticism going into the season about how he performed last year. You know, his rotations were weird. He didn't know when to call timeouts. But we gave him the benefit of the doubt because it was his first year as a coach. And, you know, he's working with a very uniquely, you know, just a very unique team. Not really sure how he would pan out this season. As the season went on, he had some highs, but it was clear by the end of the season that he was just not doing the right thing for this team. You know, he, he was not putting out the right group of guys. He was playing guys in the wrong situations. Like, matchups just were always off. There were some games where he would play, like, Claxton and LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond at, like, the same time. And it was like, why are all three of these guys on the court? And uh, it just felt like really like every – how many different starting lineups did this Nets team have this year? Maybe like 36, 37? So, yeah, about that, yeah. So where – like right now the reports are coming out that like Nash, the team likes him too much to get rid of him. Or at least KD likes him too much to get rid of him. How much of a problem is that for the Nets next year, Mike? I've, I've struggled a lot with how I should – look at this Nash situation because I think he did a bad job <laughs> but I also think he was dealt a crazy hand the last two years like he really was everything you could throw at a new coach was thrown at him disgruntled superstars weird rules you know from New York uh injuries lots of weird stuff going on for Steve Nash I would say 
probably more so for the Nets than any other team the last few years that I could think of, besides maybe the Lakers. But I feel like their stuff was more self-inflicted than the Nets. Um, so I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, all the things you mentioned that he's bad at, it like really like did, did they draw up any plays that whole series? I think someone tweeted once they never saw Nash with a, like with a clipboard to draw up a play on like right, out of bounds plays. Just, he's just clapping. Yeah, like you got to drop something every now and then to get someone open. Uh, like it's great that KD likes him, but at the same time, there's no accountability. There's no like at some point when you don't have consistent level of urgency or uh, you know heart or toughness. That has to trickle down from the coach. And clapping on the sideline doesn't get it done. Like Lawrence Frank was a clapper, if you guys remember Lawrence Frank. And eventually we were just like, yeah, that's not enough. <laughs> so I, uh, it's a tough situation. I think he deserves the first few weeks of next season. And if those first few weeks, they're like 500 or worse, like get rid of them. Get, get, get a veteran coach, get someone... Bring back Kenny Atkinson. I don't know. Uh, the other day I was watching the Warriors and I saw him on the bench. I was like, of course, the Jordan Poole's great this year. And uh, Andrew Wiggins is having the best year of his career. They got Kenny Atkinson on the bench developing them. So uh, I, I'll give Nash three weeks of the new season before I, I, I can form a firmer stance. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. My, uh, Rick, what are your, what are your uh, thoughts on Nash's tenure with the Nets? Like, do you blame him as much um, for how the season panned out, or do you see this as just like one of the least lucky uh, first two seasons of a, uh, a Nets or an NBA coach's uh, career? Uh, it's I think it's more like that. Like he really just came into just a total shitstorm. Like this, it's just bad beat after bad beat, just like. Very little has, like, gone his way for the Nets in his coaching tenure. Um, so I think that's really the the biggest thing. But also, I just don't think he's a good coach either. I, I, I just, like, and and that's fine. Like, he's not the guy. He's just, it's not, he's not the guy. But the problem is that they're bringing him back. Like, and I really, I wouldn't be okay with, like, giving him three weeks i wouldn't want to like give him training camp in three weeks and then like all right we gotta like find an interim coach for the remainder of the year for what we're hoping is a championship season i'd be like give him the year and hope this guy fucking figures it out or or preferably just move on and go somewhere else bring in frank vogel or or like mike said kenny atkinson or something have somebody wake him up because he just got severely outcoached by a guy who was on his bench last year. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, uh, Ime Odoka has been a coach for, I think, eight years. He's been like an assistant coach of some capacity yeah. it, for multiple teams. He was with the Spurs and then the Nets or some other team. So the guy is clearly a, like a, he knows he's a better coach because he's been a coach for longer. I'm not saying that Nash will ever be as good as Adoka because Adoka really did embarrass the shit out of him in this season, in this series, made him look terrible. Um, and that's why I, that's one of the big reasons why I, I'm really favoring the Celtics as the playoffs go on. I, I think they can actually sort of shock the the Bucks in the next series, but it's probably it's probably. Uh, 
frustrating that like a guy who's probably would be a great fit for the Nets was on their team last year. Yeah. Like, it, like if you just let this is obviously never happened. He's going to stay on the Celtics. But if like Adoka was like, I hate Tatum's face and the color green and was like, <laughs> I want to come back to Brooklyn. You'd probably be ecstatic. You'd be like, holy shit, this is awesome. Yeah, so, he's, he's proven himself to be just a better option at this point. Yeah, and I just don't know. I think if you went down the list of, like, coaches in the NBA, I mean, how many how many would you say Nash is better than, if any? Like, would you would you really say the Nets go into any game with a coaching advantage? I no, wouldn't. I wouldn't, that, no. Not at all, and that's a problem. When you have these, like, what we're against, talking about. Against Doc Rivers, maybe. <laughs> maybe, right, maybe. But, like, <laughs> If he was up three um, one, yeah. And the the problem that they're 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 keeping him too is I don't really even think they're keeping him for like coaching purposes. They're probably just keeping around because Katie and Kyrie like him, and I think that is a huge issue because I'm just I really question like how badly these guys want to win because I think Kyrie said in like one of the post game pressers or like exit interviews he was he's mentioned how he's like part of management. Dude's not like not even gonna be under contract. If, the ops out and he's part of management you just like what you want to buddy buddy like what are you going to say like let's bring back deandre jordan for 10 million a year come on like you you, they have to like after three years say you know what we can't sign friends we can't have coaches like be our friends we need to win like a fucking championship and like really take this seriously and i just don't see any type of like Fight, desire in like any of these guys. Like KD is just like, you know, man, shit happens. Yeah. Like, Fuck no, dude. I don't want to hear. You <laughs> got swept. No, yeah. I don't want to hear that. Like, and that's something that Nash perpetuates too. You're absolutely right, and that's something that Nash did all year. It's constantly downplaying seriously problematic situations with this team, whether it's injury or vaccine. Or unclear, like, does this guy want to be on the team? Or is Ben Simmons going to play basketball? Is he or is he not? Like, what is happening with the team? I think that what the Nets organization did, and using Nash as, like, the scapegoat, really. Because, like, how much of this is Nash's fault? All of this miscommunication that we get from the team. It's really very little. It's got to be them. This is a Sean Marks, Joe Sy problem. They don't Mm -hmm. tell us what is really going on with this team ever. And that's been their MO since the beginning of the KD Kyrie era. And it's a, you know, in some ways it's a tactic of theirs to try to kind of keep, you know, they, they keep their options available to them. If something terrible happens, they, you know, they didn't technically lie because they they just omitted the truth. It's like not the same, right? Rather than saying Ben Simmons will not play for the rest of the year. They just kind of say a bunch of bullshit for months and then we never actually end up seeing him. They did a huge disservice to the fans this year. I, I'm legitimately upset with how they treated Brooklyn Nets fans and how they made us feel dumb for like believing in them in some capacity. With the way that they would kind of play this game with the media constantly like sort of like half lying about certain people's availability and, and um, you know, how serious or not serious certain losses are and, you know, not really uh, taking that huge losing streak in the middle of the season more seriously. That was a huge blow to, like, the whole franchise. Like, 
you can't lose 11 games in a row after being the one seed for the first two months of the season. So that that's something I'm most concerned about is like just how their strategy completely backfired and made Nets fans feel bad. Yeah. I'm grossed out by that. <laughs> yeah. Same. All right. More doom and gloom. Uh, KD. <laughs> KD got owned in this series, and it's because of the way they play, right? Iso ball, there's just a lot of focus on KD and Kyrie at all times, and there's not enough trust in the other players in the team. Now, Patty Mills had a terrible second half of the season. As, you know, first half of the season, he was amazing. He was hitting like five, six threes a game, and he was like really hustling sucked second half of the season he just sucked um and then a bunch of other guys were liabilities so there was a kind of a need for iso ball but because the celtics are not a bad team they didn't let it happen they they just completely own them on the defensive side but there's a chance that possibly kd is going to be starting to show legitimate wear and tear and you know age in the next year or two and that could become a problem because there's so much pressure put on KD to be good, like really good, in order for this team to even like stay above the water. So Mike, is KD trending down, and how do the Nets navigate KD's like you know physical descent over the next two or three years? He's on, he's like under contract. I wouldn't say he's trending down yet. I think this series was unique because the Nets just had no creativity to their offense. And, like, I don't know what woke him up in game four, but whatever woke him up in game four, hopefully he remembers that next time that he's in a physical playoff series because he can still get his jump shot off. He can still be aggressive. It just seemed like he was hesitant and thinking too much. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say this series was uh, just a bat, like uncharacteristic, and hopefully he bounces back. I don't think he's trending down yet. He still seemed like he was in good shape uh, playing as many minutes as he was playing. Uh, I just think over the course of a season, hopefully they can put other people out there enough to support him where he doesn't have to play 40-plus minutes a game every game for the second half of the year. Because that does take a toll at some point. Whether you're in year six or year 13, that's going to take a toll. No one plays those kind of – Giannis plays 28 minutes sometimes. Like, you need nights like that especially with back-to-backs and, and other long, like four, playing four games and five nights kind of stuff. So I don't know. I think they just have to do more to surround him. Kyrie playing a full season will obviously help. If Ben Simmons is out there to, you know, run the point and play some defense, that'll help. I think it just too much was asked of KD to, to do this year. If you really looked at it, you took KD off the floor as he was when they lost 11 in a row. Like the Nets are just a bunch of, Average to maybe below average role players. Like Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drummond, Claxton. We didn't want any of them on the floor this whole series. Like Claxton gave some good minutes, but really, like, as far as the big men go, at least, KD was the the only viable option at 6'10 or higher that you could really rely on. So you need, he just needs more help. Yeah. Okay. Rick, are you in the same camp? KD needs more help. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I I'm agree with everything Mike said. He, he's on fire tonight. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's on the downswing. And not only do I not, not think he's on the downswing, I think he's going to be 
just as good for most, if not all, of his contract extension, too. I just think his style of game is really just going to – it's going to age well. He's like a shooter. He's not terribly physical. He's – like, the height's not going to change or anything like that. So um, the IQ is not going to go away. So he – I think he's going to be um, – at or close to prime KD for at least that next four years. So, and I feel pretty good about that. Um, I think really we just didn't realize how bad the rest of this team is. It's It's just a roster of like undesirables, really. I think after like KD, Kyrie, and I think we all agree, like we said earlier, we love Bruce Brown. After those three guys, though, do you really care if any of those guys come back like are you really like oh no like nick claxton (laughs) like you're just i think if like the nets could just freely like release guys like like they were this like this magical year you can release guys no no cap uh hit or anything like that they'd probably scrap the whole fucking team they probably would so Uh, that's something that only the los angeles lakers can do they, they like with like a, with like two weeks to go in the season, the Lakers will have like seven guys on the team, and then they'll find a way to like fill it out. I don't think the Nets can do that. Yeah, so he so he he looked really bad because for I think it was just really a perfect storm against him. I think Boston's just awesome on defense. They're just they really are a great defensive team. Then they were just keying on KD and Kyrie. There, no one else is going to scare them. So like if if uh, Seth Curry's gonna gonna beat them. They're like, all right, fine. Seth Curry beat us. I think that's okay. And also, like, I just think Jason Tatum after this season really fucking took himself to another level, and he's just awesome offensively. He's awesome defensively, and he's gonna be a stud and a, and a nightmare for the yeah. Nets for years. And I think any championship the Nets win, if they get if they want to win, is gonna have to go through. The freaking Celtics. Right. So uh, I, I think Katie's going to be good, but we now know they got to make some huge changes because he can't do it alone. Yeah, no, the Celtics look amazing. And I've always said that Tatum scares the shit out of me the way he plays. He, and he's just getting bigger. You notice how strong he is now? When he first uh, came in the league, he was like this scrawny guy. He's fucking massive. Like, yeah. like he's wearing guys like clothing out there now. If he if he just keeps playing like this, man, I don't I don't know what's gonna happen for the rest of this playoffs. But it's hard for me to not to like pick against the Celtics right now in any matchup because of the way that they can play and their role players are really good when they want to be. Like Grant Williams is just like hitting threes every time he grabs the ball. Like what the fuck? He's like the tenth best player on the team. And he's just like hitting play. He's like hitting threes every time he throws the ball in the air. It goes in. Shot like ninety percent from three, like no joke. Like he gave like three and four. I think he was like, I don't know, like nine for like eleven or something. Crazy. Like, every time he shot, I'm like, oh fuck. Then the cush. In. Yeah, and and like like I think I said after game two, I mean I was like, man, the the Nets are they would get swept if Robert Williams played. Yeah, swept and Robert Williams didn't even really play anyway. So, I mean, a healthy Robert Williams is coming back, and the defensive the defensive player of the year is like their third best player, maybe. So, yeah, they're a, they're a, just a, such a good team. Okay, two more things um, about this Nets offseason that we need to discuss. Um, 
Is signing Kyrie for what will probably be a max contract truly the only option the Nets have? Or, like, is there a way that they can maybe convince him to do a one- or two-year contract and then see what we're going to do from there? Because, I mean, any reasonable player, any reasonable organization will look at a guy who's had all the problems he's had over the last three years. First year on the Nets, he's injured, he's injured the half the year, doesn't play in the bubble. Second year on the Nets... He, he does have a good statistic season. He actually ends up making third team, but he left for significant periods of time, you know, on his own accord. And then, obviously, the third season he's on the Nets, he doesn't play half the season because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. Now, we don't know if there's, like, any – we're assuming there's not going to be any, like, unprecedented pandemic in 2022-2023, but – you know, it's so. It, it seems like it'd be really difficult for an organization to 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 give him the max after what he's shown them over the last three years. Yet, it seems like with his language, you know, acting like he's a part of the front office, that he's a, it's already a foregone conclusion that he's going to get some sort of max deal and he's going to be a part of this Nets rebuild over the next five years or whatever the hell they're going to have to do. So. Mike, do you think that the Nets have any choice, or is he holding them like kind of like hostage at this moment? If he wasn't best friends with Kevin Durant, they'd have a choice. But he's best friends with Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's not going to let the Nets do some funny business. He's going to get the max deal, and we're going to be uh, fucked. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, uh, I'm, I'm not happy about it. Like. Everything has to go right for the Nets to contend for a championship. And we've seen now for too many years, everything never goes right. <laughs> so he's going to get the max contract. We have to hope there's no pandemic or there's no riots or there's no whatever else might happen. And he stays healthy and maybe it'll work out. That's a lot but, of hope. Yeah. I am not yeah. saying it very hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. No. I'll say this, though. I, I, I do think it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to bring him back. Uh, I don't think Kyrie wants to go anywhere else. And I also don't think anywhere else really wants Kyrie. I think if anybody no. else wanted him, it'd be like the Knicks. And, you know, I just, just this, that would be a shitstorm anyway. So um, he, he's going to come back. I. I don't think it's going to be like a one or two year deal. I read earlier today that the Nets are going to try and get him to sign a four year max rather than a five. And I think that'll put him on the same uh, like contract length as KD. And obviously one year less with <laughs> Kyrie is a lot <laughs> nicer than, you know, five. So I heard they're going to try and do four and I could see. Uh, I could see him doing that. I could see it. Um, I don't know if it'll happen or not, but KD signed a four-year contract, so his butt brother might want to sign a, a four-year <laughs> that's, what, that's what they are. No, but, like, come on. That's what these guys are. They're just fucking butt brothers. They're just finger-popping each other's assholes after games. And like, you know? Like, that's all they're doing. So, you know, <laughs> they might... Hopefully it's a four year rather than a five or yeah. ah whatever they're fucked either way. Who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it's tough, man. The problem with Kyrie signing like this huge contract is like he's not valuable to anyone but the Nets. He either performs well or he's uh, like a cancer, and no one wants him. Not even like the Orlando Magic will spit at a deal for him. You know, like like, there's no one who's gonna want him because you don't know if he's gonna show up. He could literally just not show up. He showed that he's willing to not play for a team that also has Kevin Durant and a team that is also that he specifically chose over the Boston Celtics, who are a like a famous, very successful franchise in this league, and a team that like was good. Like he was willing to not show up to work for the ultimate situation. So why would he show up to work in Orlando? Why would he show up to work in like fucking Oklahoma City? You know, why would he show up to work in wherever? There's no reason. No, no, no. The Kyrie and like the Nets are like a like a really hot, really shitty girlfriend that you just like, keep coming back to and like giving her more chances after she wrongs you. Like she eats on you and you're like, holy fuck, you suck. And we're like, ah, oh, but you're so hot though. So I guess I'll give you another chance. And then she. <laughs> You know, she she like smokes a lot, and you're like, oh, that's gross. But you're yeah. really, yes, you know, I'm never gonna get someone as hot as you, so we're just gonna keep going. And she like, you know, she comes home pissed drunk the night, out with the girls, and you're like, holy yeah. fuck, when am I gonna draw the line here and break up with her? <laughs> and then that, I mean, it's legitimate. And you're like, you know what? I think it's gonna be different this time. Come <laughs> over here, babe. And <laughs> It legitimately does feel like the KD and Kyrie now kind of combined have a very toxic relationship with the Brooklyn Nets. It's all. And it's either they perform or they they make the fans suffer. It's going to be one or the other. There's no in between. And this is how you this is what happens with these, you know, super teams. If you don't perform as a super team, you're you're essentially torturing your fan base because they put so much excitement and energy into wanting you to succeed and and believing in you and for it to not work it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's a tomorrow after this like what happens to the nets post kd Kyrie if they don't get a fucking championship out of this or at least even an appearance and an eastern conference finals (laughs) like (laughs) i just need something um all right one last one last uh, doom and gloom thing and then i don't know maybe we'll somehow find a way to perk it up at the end uh, ben Simmons didn't play in the last uh, game of the season, last playoff game. And it was because of back soreness that was apparently triggered by his emotional, like, feelings. Like, he, he felt too much pressure or something. There was an athletic article about this that his back was related directly to, you know, his insecurities that he's developed over the last year. Um now, I, I'm not saying that he's wrong for feeling this way or anything, but this could become a problem for the Nets if he tends to feel injury, uh, physical injury, when he's feeling, you know, emotional pressure in a tense situation. Um, we still haven't seen him play. We don't know, like, if he meshes with the team. That's a whole other issue. But just based on what he's provided to us with his mental uh, stability, like, how do the Nets navigate this going into next season, Rick? Well, I know you said you're not going to tell him he's like wrong for feeling this way. I am. I just, I, just, <sighs> I it's bull- no, it is, it is. I, I really believe that if the Nets won Game Three, that he would have played Game Four. 
I I very confident he would have played game four if they won game three. I think after they lost game three, series is over. You're not coming back from 3-0. And him and his agent and were probably just like, what the fuck am I coming back for? We're down 3-0. Like, it, the upside for me coming back is so minimal. Uh, and the, there's, the downside is just far greater. I'm just, let me just sit it out. I'll come back next year. I, I just don't need it. So, um, hopefully he gets his head right. Cause I, I do believe him with the mental health issues. I'm not saying the mental health issues are bogus. I'm just saying for this specific incident with like the, the Celtic series, I don't buy. So, um, I do think though, if the back is healthy and his head is right, um, I think he could be really good. I do believe he could be a really good player for the Nets, but him along with Kyrie are the two most unreliable players in the NBA. So just like, you know, you said with COVID or riots or social issues with Kyrie, it could really be anything with Ben Simmons too, right? Like his girlfriend looks at him the wrong way and he cries in the bathroom and he doesn't want to play basketball anymore. Like that, it's legitimately a concern for things like that. Like, you know, he gets a paper cut and like he, you know, he doesn't like the color red or something, you know, so. Yeah, I, or more more like related to the team. Maybe they go on like a five game losing streak and then all of a sudden his back hurts, you know, because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to, to deal with the responsibility of like, you know, toughing out the, the bad moments with the team. That's what I'm worried about. And that's possible, too. That, that's absolutely a worry. Or, you know, he doesn't maybe he doesn't put up as good of numbers as he did during his like all-star seasons in, in Philly. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, Ben Simmons, he's, he's never been the same since his like mental break in the playoffs. Like he's just not that good anymore. And I don't think he's ever going to achieve that level. And for a guy who really can't take criticism, that's hard to hear. So he might be like, well, you know what? I don't belong in Brooklyn. Let me sit on the bench with my hurt back or whatever reason you want to be, or just, demand a trade and get out of here. So yeah, that's also uh, like a legit concern too, because we've seen with a guy like James Harden, players aren't afraid to request two trades in a, in a matter of a year. So it's, it's scary. Michael. I'm not going to speculate too much on Ben Simmons mental health. I'm going to speculate on the side of the nets. And I think everything the nets did, since getting him was to avoid the lawsuit that the Sixers are facing with him and that as Simmons was sitting out, he wasn't getting paid and he's suing them to get his money back, claiming that like they are the cause for his issue. So like they owe him this money. I think the Nets are like learning that lesson and they're just like, we're going to accommodate him. We're going to baby him. We're going to do whatever he asks us so that at least if he doesn't play, we won't have to pay him and we'll avoid like that part of it. Uh, so I think from the Nets side, I don't know if they're being 100% honest with their disappointment in him not playing. I know when he made that last-minute decision to not play game four, a report came out that the players and the coaches were all like, what the hell, man? Like, come on. So it's going to be like Rick said there wasn't much upside to him playing that game four. I think as far as getting over mental health issues and, and winning over the fans, the upside of playing that game four was there was very little pressure, I thought. Like, because we were supposed to lose, he would have to have, like, the worst game of his life for us to be like, man, Ben Simmons sucks. Like, we'd be like, oh, at least he tried. At least I would. I'd be like, 
Good for him for. No, you're. I see you. I lost Rick though. Uh, Rick, are you there? I'm back, baby. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We. We. I think all of us froze at one point. Oh. All right. Go ahead. Continue your thought, Mike. Okay. Um. We'll just. I think if Ben Simmons had tried to play Game Four, there would have been a lot of upside for him, um, because the fans would have appreciated it. His teammates would have appreciated it. He probably would have got like a standing ovation if he did anything remotely good that whole game. If he got a block or, you know, did something meaningful for the team. I think not playing, it really probably set him back as far as the fan perception goes. Because we're all sitting here like, what the hell? We needed you (laughs) like for months and you couldn't even give it a shot. So unless he like truly like woke up and like couldn't play, if it was any like... I don't know, exaggeration of his injury to, to get out of the pressure of playing. I think that's the unfortunate uh, call. I think he probably should have tried. But, again, I don't know. I don't want to speculate too much on how he felt. But I think there was upside is what I'm trying to say, I guess. There probably was upside to him trying at least. And now we have to wait until next season to see what happens. Yeah, it's 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 rough. It's rough. Everything that happened this season was – was so concerning going into next season. But of the people in the NBA who are potential free agents or potential trade options, maybe they're not happy with their teams. If there is one or two players out there that you think the Nets could potentially make a move for that would really fill in some of those defensive and shot-making gaps that the Nets do not have, spreading the floor a little bit for KD and Kyrie, um, what is one player that you would like to see the Nets at least make a make a play for? Anyone can go first. Uh, I'll go first. Uh, I don't. It's really hard to speculate who's like available. Um, I don't really think there are any free agents that are like realistic uh, that I think they could either afford or would want to target. So I think anyone right. really. Um, going to change the the shape of the team would have to come through trade. Um, now, like the type of players I think they need are big, physical, and have attitude. So, like, I would like, I know people, not everyone's a fan, but like someone like the Morris Twins, I think would be great for the Nets. Like Robert Covington, I think would be good for the Nets. If he's not on your team, you fucking hate this guy. But I actually think Pat Beverly would be pretty good for the Nets. Because he'll probably call, like, KD a punk bitch in practice and he'll fire <laughs> him up. Because this guy barely has a pulse. So, like, yeah. you saw Pat Beverly, like, in the plane, in the playoffs. Like, they're acting like they won the fucking title. Like, he's on the, the scorer's table, like, cheering with the fans. And, like, you really have to, like, shake the fucking hell out of KD to, like, actually get a reaction out of this guy. Uh, and so if they can get like tough freaking dogs on this team, length and toughness. Th- those are the guys I would go after. I like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't. I definitely don't know how Patrick Beverly would mesh with this Nets team. <laughs> I think he's way too aggressive for them. They'd probably like fucking literally kill him. But uh, Mike, what, well, like, who, who are some other guys? Would be cool. Yeah, Covington. Right. Yes, Covington. Mm-hmm. The one of the Morris twins. Those are those are good options. I agree. Things like guys yeah. like that. You know, I'm not saying specifically yeah. like that, but really, but that's like 
those are the traits and qualities I would be looking for. Uh, I agree. Mine would be, because I actually do believe he signed a one-year deal for his current team, would be P.J. Tucker. I think yeah. P.J. Tucker would be a great fit, uh, defense and corner threes. Uh, I think him and Durant, the battles they had in last year's playoffs, even though it seemed very contentious like because they were going against each other, I think they do have that level of respect and possibly even friendship, uh, which would be obviously a good addition to a team. So, Did they play he, in the same college team? Were they on both on Texas together? Oh, Am yeah. I wrong I about that? Oh, they were. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Actually, <laughs> no, that. I think AD on like his tour of the school or something on a recruiting oh. trip. All right. Well, that would be my number one uh, target. Would be PJ Tucker. I don't know off the top of my head what big men are out there because I think we do need a big man that's better than Andre Drummond. It pisses me off, by the way, that Andre Drummond didn't even play that whole like game four. Like we are all all the second half of the season, we're like. Drummond's filling all the needs we needed, rebounding, big guy. And then he was unplayable in an elimination playoff game. Like, we don't need him. Get him out of here. So, yeah. they got to find a big man. I don't know who's available. Claxon's not the long-term answer. Um, so, yeah, we'll see who hits the market I, for that. I do like PJ. That PJ Tucker, I think, would be a perfect fit, though. Can you imagine, like, a playoff small ball lineup of, and I, I think, like, a nice, like, distributive point guard would be good. So let's just say, like, they resigned Dragic. If you had, like, a lineup of Dragic, Kyrie, KD, Simmons, Tucker, I think that's a really good lineup. I actually, I like that a lot. I think there's size, there's toughness, high IQ. So, like, I think P.J. Tucker is actually a really good fit. Like, he, he's not, like, a scorer, but he, like, he hits those open threes if he's in the corner and stuff. He's physical. Yeah, guys like, guys like that are exactly what I would be wanting. I think those guys are good. My, I think that what we've learned, though, over the last year or two with this team and also with other teams in the league is that you need a core of, like, young guys who can get up for, like, January, February, December games in order to keep your team afloat. And then whatever you want to do in April, you can, like, kind of play eight guys all of April. Sure, whatever. But, like, I think the biggest problem the Nets had was seeding was – they were the seventh seed because they didn't have anyone to rely on during those moments where KD was out, like no one. And they need a, a, at least a higher floor. Their ceiling is so high. When they play in the playoffs, you know, they're playing with elite players. They need to raise the floor a little bit with like what kind of talent is coming off the bench in January? What kind of talent is coming off the bench in February? Because, you know, they were they were trotting out a G League team for six to seven weeks, it felt like. Like, it was, it didn't, just didn't even look like an NBA team at some points. And, like, if they need to not sign someone because they can't afford him, but they, they will fill in the gaps with, like, two or three, like, guys who are actually willing to play and are young enough to, like, have the energy to play 82 games, that's what I want. I don't want, like, I don't want to have to, like, look at the schedule for the upcoming week knowing that KD or Kyrie is hurt or whatever, and be like, that's a loss, it's a loss, it's a loss, it's a loss, because no one's going to show up. I want to know, like, okay, some of these guys want to be there. Like, they want to actually perform really well, even though the, the odds are against them. It just didn't feel like that this season. And I want that for the Nets. I don't know how they do that. Yeah. Not <laughs> sign Claxton. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am excited to see... Uh... Cam Thomas and Kessler Edwards take a step. 
I think Kessler Edwards showed a lot of promise, and then the playoffs, he was so bad game one that they like really just didn't give him another chance. Uh, but I think he has the physical tools to be really good. He's a bigger body. He's athletic. He can shoot. So I, I, I like to see him progress. And Cam Thomas, I think, is a pretty good off-the-bench scorer with another year of experience. He could be a potential uh, playmaker as the, for the second unit. Uh, so I don't know who else they might get. But to bring it back to what we talked about earlier, if health goes right, a starting lineup of Kyrie, Ben Simmons, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, and maybe like Bruce Brown if they sign him, that's a pretty great starting lineup to then fit the you know fit the bench pieces around. So yeah, the best is still net to come. The best is net to come. <laughs> All right, well, this is probably our last pod for this season. Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for following along with us and. Um, if you had similar emotions to us throughout the season, you know, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. You know, Mike is on there posting stuff uh, every now and then, like wait, reacting wait, wait. to things. Did you did you get any notifications today? <laughs> yes, I did. I did. <laughs> that was so funny, Rick. You probably don't know about this. I uh, Kyrie tweeted. I, you can leave this on the pod if you want. I don't care. Kyrie yeah. tweeted like a bunch of bullshit about the media today, and I just made like a quick passing comment because like. Durant and Kyrie have both been tweeting, and I was just, like, drawing off their energy, I guess. So I was just, like, made a passing comment of, like, you get paid millions of dollars to play a game. 80 people liked it, and, like, 20 people branched off in different conversations about Stephen A. Smith or this and that. It was crazy all day. I actually muted it because I was like, I can't take this anymore. I, like, barely – I, like, replied to a couple of them with, like, basically nothing. But I was like, oh, my God. That was the first time I, like, even tried – like actually tweeting something and it got such a response it was crazy oh they were tweets that you that you okay (laughs) yeah yeah if we if we want to blow up the bestest net account just start commenting (laughs) on everything Kyrie or kd says on 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 twitter because every time they say something they like they could literally be like check out this sandwich i ate for lunch and you'd get like a forty thousand like (laughs) comment stream of like you fell off, you fell off, ratio, ratio, you fell <laughs> off. And, like, you'll get a bunch of retweets from that. <laughs> yeah. Did you see this stuff AD was, has been tweeting about, too? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, don't come at the god. Like, the, the god yeah, he calls himself I, god. I was yeah. just, like, palm the face. I was just like, you can't fucking positively be calling yourself <laughs> a god after <laughs> we just saw. He's like, yo, man, like, people just can't handle, like, the god like you know don't come at me if you just can't handle handle the comment i'm like what? just i need this to is, see over it's brilliant it's brilliant like true troll brilliance to be like you know i just performed really bad in the playoffs let me just start calling myself a god on twitter <laughs> and see what happens <laughs> unreal <laughs> like i i i can i i don't think humans should do that like they shouldn't be allowed to to be so brash all right well anyway Thank you guys so much. Thank you to Mike. Thank you to Rick. Thank you to everyone listening. This was the best is net to come. We'll be around. So reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter. If you have any ideas of what you think the Nets should pick up or you think people, um, you know, should stay, should go. You have any thoughts at all about the Nets, reach out to us. We'll definitely respond to you. So thanks so much for listening. And the best is still net to come. Any last words, Mike, Rick? 
Yeah, if the Nets want to pick up anything, they should pick up some wins. That's other than that, no, it's it, I will say this, uh, and I said it at the end of last year, I'll say it again. This is just so fun. I love doing this with you guys. I love you guys and I love basketball. So putting the two together just makes for an awesome time. Um, the Nets obviously, like we said, a wasteful, unenjoyable nightmare of a year. And the best part of it was being able to talk about our frustrations and disappointments and hopes uh, with you guys. And I'm excited to do it all again next year. I will I will second all of that. And then I'll just last thing is now that the Nets are out, I think, Rick, you said earlier, stress is gone and the NBA playoffs are really exciting. There's a lot of really fun teams to watch. I really don't know who's going to win it. Like. I'd say at least four or five different teams have a legitimate chance of winning the championship. So it's exciting. And a lot of young players for the first time, like doing big things. So enjoy the rest of the NBA playoffs, even though we won't be on here talking nets. We'll be still talking in our ball chat, uh, loving every one of these different matchups that the Celtics bucks, I think is going to be amazing. I can't wait for that series. So yeah, enjoy the playoffs. I was going to say too, with you just saying, enjoy the playoffs. I don't, I don't think they're really like any super hateable teams this year, too. Like, I mean, yeah. people probably don't like maybe the Sixers because of James Harden, and that, that's understandable. But like, there's no like team that people are like, other than it was the Nets and they're gone now, and the, and the Lakers didn't make it. But I don't, I don't think there are any teams that people are like, oh man, I fucking hope these guys lose. You know, I think people would be pretty happy if like the the Suns won or the Bucks repeated. I think a lot of people would, would really be excited about the Warriors coming back. And winning too. So yeah, it's it's nice to like really just enjoy the game as a fan. So yeah, do that. Enjoy, love basketball, and uh, yeah, enjoy the playoffs. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, have a great rest of your day and great rest of the playoffs. <laughs>